Ways to increase your faith. Amen. Ways to increase, increase your faith. This morning's word is, is a matter which has been of concern to me. Why? Because you are living in difficult times. I mean, I'm sure you can agree with me, all right? Every day you hear the news. This, this, this problems, these troubles, there's always something attacking us. And it's not just us here in South Africa, it's a global thing. We, we see worldwide in finances, in, in politics, in spiritual matters, in matters of morality, we seem to be in a downward spiral continuously. We are living in difficult times with much suffering and difficulties in any forms. Have any of you noticed that? It was just, just, just me. Anybody notice that? Am I talking to the right crowd here? All right. Do, do you read the news sometimes? Do, do you have some difficulty in your life now and then? It is a matter of concern. The increase of this these days. Amen. Now Jesus said that in the last days, Perilous times or difficult times would come. And the New Testament prophecies indicate that you are living in those end times. And Jesus did say in the last time, in the last days, many people's faiths would grow cold. How's it going with your faith? It concerns me that I hear of believers that are on fire for God today. And then in a couple of months or weeks time, I, I hear that they are cooling off. Some of them turning their backs on God. Why? Because of difficulties. Because of things they've seen, they've experienced. And they begin to say, if we serve a loving God, why is this happening in the world? If God is good, why is that happening? Why are Christians being persecuted? Why are Christians being killed? Why are all these crimes taking place? These murders, this... And they begin to draw away from God, to question God. How can God be like this? And, and my response is, guys, why don't we talk a little bit to the first century Christians? Because those Christians in the first century, they lived through worse stuff than what you're living through today. And these lost days are beginning to look more and more like those days. It's like the end is going to be very much like the beginning of the church. Yes, the church is growing victorious and we need to have a footprint on the earth. But understand us that towards the end times, darkness will increase on the earth. Look what you're going through today. Things that were wrong 30 or 50 years ago, today they think it's right. Things that were right 50 years ago, today are deemed to be wrong. Morality is completely screwed up, confused. There is no more moral compass in the world. You can have whatever truth you want. It's your truth and my truth, and they don't have to be the same. And we discussed this in a previous message concerning truth and worldview. And so even believers are getting confused, and some are cooling in their faith. And I'm saying, God, what can we do? We live in this world, and the fact is, guys, come on, God didn't send Jesus to come to the world to fix the world. Not in his first coming. In his first coming, he came to fix the sin problem. And open up a way for us to have our relationship stored, restored with God. 
When he comes the second time, yes, then he comes to sort out this planet. To establish the fullness of his kingdom. And he will reign. And there will be peace on earth. Hallelujah. And you're looking forward to that day. But until that day comes, we live connected with God, but we live in a broken world. And we are surrounded by pain and suffering and inconsistencies and unfairness and all sorts of rubbish. And we have to navigate through this. We have to maintain our light shining. Because by doing that, not only are we navigating our way for eternity with God, but we are bringing others on board, maybe one at a time. But God wants to use us to be a blessing to others. But to do that, we need to have faith. We need to be strong in our faith. So how can I be strong in my faith when I'm surrounded by events and circumstances which are continually chipping away at my faith, chipping away at what I believe, chipping away and, and draining me, either by sickness or disease or, or problems or relationships or, or, or you know, unemployment or financial stuff. How do I keep my faith? How do I keep on going when these things are chipping away at me all the time? I need to grow in my faith. We need faith, increasing faith. 2,000 years ago, the apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. That was in Luke 17, 5. And today, I believe we need to say the same. Lord, increase our faith. And, and the Lord has given us ways and tools. In his word, he shows us. Jesus, throughout his life, he modeled to us how we can live in faith and by faith. And today, we're going to look at some ways to increase our faith. And there are a number of things you can do to increase your faith. Today, we are going to look at three key ways in which we can increase our faith. Are you ready? Here we go. First one is this. Get in the word. Now, you might say, but this is obvious. No, it's not obvious. I want us to, to process this a little bit because, you see, we think it's obvious. And because it's so obvious, we ignore the details. And we ignore the practice of what we think is obvious. Hello? We all know what is good for us in terms of health. But don't we ignore it so often? We eat the wrong stuff. We don't exercise enough. We know all the good stuff, but we just don't do it. So come on, guys, let's get back into in terms of faith here. Get in the word. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Here's the key. Faith comes by hearing, listening, getting it in. Not hearing anything, hearing the word of God. Hearing about the Lord. Hearing about salvation. Hearing about eternity. Hearing about the realities of life, spiritual life. Learning about God's plan for the universe. Learning about his dealings with us. So it begins with that. This is the starting point. And how can I, can, in fact, the, the word of God asks in a few verses before this, how can they believe if they don't hear? And so we need to hear the word of God. 
Read it. Listen to it. Get into the Word of God. It is crucial that we expose ourselves to the Word. Read it. Listen to it. Get it in you. The book of Revelation says that blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. If 2,000 years ago, the time was near, the time of Christ's return was near, where do we, we think, where do you think we are now? We are super close, guys. And like I said, if you take time to get in the Word and read what the Bible says about the end times, you'll be amazed. All the signs are being fulfilled today. Never in any generation have so many signs become fulfilled simultaneously like we experience today. So we know that the Lord is coming. So he says, listen, especially now, you need to hear and you need to do it. And although that verse is, is linked to the book of Revelation, the principle applies to the whole Bible. Hear it. Keep it. Do it. Amen? It, it's not so much, we're talking about getting the word, but it's actually get the word in you, get to know the word. You need to trust in the word and obey the word. In James chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says very clearly, be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's okay to hear the word, but you must do the word. Otherwise, it's not going to help you. Otherwise, it's not going to help your faith. It says... Be doers of the word. Now, you have to trust in the word and obey the word. You'll not do the word if you don't trust the word. And so we need to understand that it's not a blind faith decision. As you become familiar with the Bible, as you read it, as you, as you hear it, as you study it, you begin to realize that the Bible is not just another religious book. It's not just another spiritual guideline. The Bible is a divine book. It is correct. It's not a history book, but it is historically correct. It's not a science book, but every reference to science in that book has been you know, proved by true science to be true. It's not a geography book, but every geographical reference in that book is correct. So much so that geologists use the Bible to find ancient towns and cities and so forth. But above all that, the Bible contains spiritual content. It reveals the love of God. It reveals a God who is loving. It reveals the history of humankind. It reveals the problem of sin, the problem of humanity. And it reveals God's answer to that problem. Jesus becoming man. God becoming man. And taking our punishment for our sin and opening up the way to a relationship with the living God. Hallelujah. The creator of heaven and earth. So you need to trust that word. Trust the word of God. And if you trust the word of God, then obey the word of God. Amen? You trust in the word and you obey the word. And as you do, your faith begins to grow. Your faith begins to grow. So it's not just reading and knowing about the word, 
but it is trusting the word and obeying the word. I know men and women who know the word of God, but they are atheists. There are Muslims who can quote you scripture from the New Testament and Old Testament. Your people do not believe in God. I, I've, I've, I've listened to a, a few very eloquent philosophers. that they, they quote scripture to you, but they do not believe that Jesus is the son of God. They are not saved. So you see, when the Lord talks about, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, it's not just head knowledge. It is trusting that word and obeying the word of God. Amen. The Bible is, like I said before, is not just any book. It is a book to be trusted. Whether you have a, a print copy like this, whether you have it in your you know, cell phone or computer, whatever it is, get into that book. Because this is not a human creation. This is God's inspiration. And God keeps this book very real. It does not sugarcoat his heroes. He shows their weaknesses. And through that, he shows his love and his compassion. He reveals to us our sins, our mistakes. And we need to trust in this book and obey this book. The other thing we need to do is let this word heal us, bring healing to us, and bring boldness to us. That is James 4, 7 and eight, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's when it begins. When we realize that without God, we are nothing. When we realize that we are sinners, we are double-minded, and we need some help. And so as we read God's word, these things begin to be revealed to us. The Bible is like a mirror. And as you look in this mirror, you realize, oops, I've got a few pimples and a few things I shouldn't have yet. I better get some treatment for this. And as you submit to God, as you trust the word and obey the word, healing begins to come. You confess your sin. You allow the word of God to shape you and mold you. And as you submit to God, you get healed. And as healing comes, boldness increases. And as boldness increases, and, and then the devil comes to try to tempt you, to pull you away from God, to try and get you to do things you should not do, you stand up and say, hey, get out of here. In Jesus' name. I got no time for your nonsense. And the devil has to go. Because you are submitted to God. You are being healed. You are being strengthened. And it's a process, guys. And we all should be a continuous part of that process. Amen. So important. So get in the word. Trust in the word of God. Obey the word of God. Let the word of God heal you and give you boldness. Submission to God brings healing. Healing brings boldness and conviction and increased faith. Amen. What else can you do? The other thing you can do is worship. 
worship. This morning as I was worshiping, I was being ministered to. I don't know about you. But you know, because I, I don't just sing for the sake of singing. <laughs> I, I like the songs and I like the music. But as I'm singing, I'm thinking about what I'm singing. And I'm making those words mine. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I am a child of God, man. I know he's coming. And I'm looking forward to that. And, and there's so much truth going out as we worship. And as I'm worshiping, I'm being ministered to because the Holy Spirit is making those words alive in my heart. Worship is a great way to increase your faith. But you can't limit your worship just for Sunday mornings. It has to be a lifestyle. Now listen to Psalm... Um, uh, we're talking about worship now. Ah. Listen to Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. These are the words of David, okay? But I have trusted in your mercy. Hallelujah. My heart shall rejoice. That would rejoice. It's not, it's not just, it doesn't mean just to be happy. The, the, the original word rejoice means to, to spin around under great emotion. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're happy, you know, and you get a big surprise, you go, yay, hallelujah, you know. When you are rejoicing over something, it is an expressive rejoicing. It's not, oh, wonderful, praise God, hallelujah, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm rejoicing in the Lord, brother. No, it's expressive. So David is saying, ah, I, I, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, whether you can sing or not, just sing, okay? If you can't sing, make a joyful noise. It's also in the Bible. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all right? <laughs> but what he's talking about, when we're talking about worship, yeah? Uh, yes, I know that our lifestyle is an act of worship to God. I fully understand that, and it is true. You, the, the, what you do every day, even in your work, in, in your studies and so forth, in your school, uh, it, it is an act of worship. But here I'm talking about specifically taking time to focus on God, to worship Him, to magnify Him, to praise Him, to talk about His goodness. That is what I'm talking about in an expressive way. Now, yeah. when things are tough and when you are in pain or in need, this stuff, worship, is the last thing that comes to your mind, right? When you're hurting, when you're in pain, you're in trouble, you don't want to worship. You want to, whoa, me, ha, yeah. All right, you want to complain and cry and <laughs> help me, somebody. So, what does the Word of God say? Now, you see, as I said, it's not easy to worship in difficult times. And yet, that is what David is doing right here in the psalm. Because this is verse 5 and 6. It's the last two verses of the psalm. If you go to the beginning, David starts basically saying, God, where have you gone? Have you moved away? I, I feel so lost. I feel so alone. When David wrote this, he was surrounded by bad circumstances. He was having a bad day. In fact, he was having a bad season in his life. He felt alone, he felt rejected, he felt like all his enemies were about to have him for lunch and dinner and breakfast the next morning. 
He, he was not in a good place. But David knew one thing. He knew how to encourage himself in times of, like this. He knew that in the way he is right now, he needs some help. He needs faith. He needs to encourage himself. And so this is what he does. He begins to worship the Lord. He begins to remember all the wonderful things God has done for him in the past. He begins to remember who God is. He's a merciful God. Hallelujah. And he begins to sing to the Lord. Worship. That can do so much for your faith. At one time, David had gone to war. When they came back, the enemy had come behind them and taken away the women, the children, and all their possessions. So when they came back from war, the soldiers saw this, and they turned against David. David had no one to turn to. So the Bible says that David encouraged himself. What do you do when you've got nowhere to turn to? You don't go into despair. You go into worship. I'm sure one of the things that David did that day to encourage himself was exactly this. Lord, you are merciful. Lord, you are great. Lord, I need you now. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you because I know you are my deliverer. And as David did that, as he encouraged himself in the Lord, the Lord spoke to him, gave him direction. He gathered his army. They went back and they brought back everybody. God brought restoration because his faith increased. And one of the things he did was to worship. And folks, today it is still important Throughout centuries, those who have had faith, great faith, have included this in their process of getting faith. Amen. So we need to bring this, this time of worship. Take time to worship the Lord. As I say, not just on Sundays, but during the week in your quiet time. Sometimes we call it quiet time, but quiet time sometimes is not so quiet. <laughs> Find ways of worshiping God. Crank up the music. Worship songs in your car when you're going to work and praise the Lord. Sing along. Or at home or wherever you are. Find ways to worship Him. To take a few moments to focus on Him. And worship. Praise Him. Exalt Him. Remember His goodness. Declare His goodness. Declare who He is over your life. And as you do this, you become aware of His presence. You become aware of who He is. And what happens? Your faith is strengthened. Amen. So get in the word. Worship. And then the last one for today. Pray. Pray. Oh, that's so obvious, Pastor. I pray every day. Really? Let's, let, let's get down to this now. Again, I'm talking about prayer. You can pray. Not, not just repeat words as a routine. You know, like, like a parrot. <laughs> Parrots can pray. You can teach a parrot to pray, right? But I don't think a parrot is going to move mountains with his faith. And so we need to pray. But pray from the heart. Pray must become a lifestyle. Yes, it's important to have those set times of pray. Pray before meals. Pray in the morning. Pray before going to bed. Whatever your, your routine is. Yes, have those, those routines. But take time as well to just pray and, and just open up your heart to God. Let prayer become a lifestyle. You need to have a, a time when you pray. And you set apart to spend time with God and pray. But you also need to have a lifestyle of prayer. That as you're going about your day, as you're going about your work, as you're going about your studies, your, 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 even your recreation time, you're connected with God. You're talking to Him all the time. 
You're discussing what's happening with him, what you're experiencing, what you're seeing, what you're doing. Conversation. Prayer is conversation. That's what it is. Talking to one another. And we, we need to be talking to God all the time. Having a conversation with him about how we feel, how we are doing, what we like, what we don't like, need guidance, direction, need help, need insight, need wisdom. Let prayer be a lifestyle. Now, our scripture here is Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Fairly well known scripture, but I want to bring it again. There are many scriptures on prayer. But here in this one, it says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Notice that it says that in everything, by prayer and supplication. Your prayer is your normal praying to God. Normal talking to the Lord, discussing things. The supplication is a little bit more intense. It's like, God, I need your help now. Can't you see what's going on? Father, I'm, I'm desperate. Supplication is a little bit more intense. You with me? Often I pray for other people and I supplicate on my behalf. Sometimes I supplicate on behalf of others because I can feel their pain, man. And I can't just go, Lord, bless them. No, no, no. I've got to go, God, please. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't forget that. Remember when, when, when David in, that, in Psalm 13, he's singing God, he's worshiping, but there's also an element of thanksgiving there because he's remembering what God has done and he's declaring that God's going to help him. That's, that's gratitude. So yes, you come before the Lord with all your burden, all your anxiety, all everything that's crushing you. But you come with an element of thanksgiving, trusting that God is going to pull you through this stuff. Let your requests be made known to God. So I'm talking about taking time to come before the Lord and turning your anxiety energy, turning your pain energy, turning your despair energy into prayer and supplication energy. Instead of just complaining and crying and moaning and having a pity party, do that through prayer before the Lord. Come before God. Say, Father, I am hurting. Father, I'm in despair. Father, I don't know what to do. If you don't help me now, it's over. You see what I'm doing? I I'm still having a little bit of a pity party. <laughs> but I'm doing it in the Lord's presence. I'm turning it into prayer and supplication before my God. I'm talking to someone that actually can do something about it. And so I come before him and I say, but Father, I know you are God and you can get me out of the situation. You can lead me. You can guide me. You can help me. And I need to have that conversation with God. I have discovered in my experience that God truly is patient. And God truly is long-suffering. And God doesn't mind when I raise my voice sometimes. He doesn't mind when I lose it sometimes in his presence. I confess to you guys, I've had some real shouting matches with God. And he has not struck me down by lightning. Hallelujah. He's allowed me to have my say. 
And then, very gently, he began talking to me and sorting me out in love. Gradually, one step at a time. Because it says there, do all that. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. The peace of God will protect your emotions and your thoughts. Listen carefully. It is under strong emotions and negative thoughts that we make the biggest mistakes in life. We take decisions harshly. We say things we shouldn't say. We make decisions too hastily, too quickly. Why? Because I've got all these negative thoughts in my mind. I've got all these bad emotions. And so I just and I make decisions. Uh-uh. Go to God. Let the peace of God protect your emotions. Let the peace of God protect your thoughts so that you will know what to do. So that you can make decisions, plans that are in line with his will. Amen. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about praying. It's getting intense with God until you know that you know that God has touched you, has spoken to you. And pastor, how long, how long should I pray for? As long as it takes. And that is why sometimes you have to take time apart. You have to take a day and maybe go and fast, add fasting to this whole thing as well. And go and spend time with the Lord. But prayer, folks, prayer is so important, so, so powerful. And as that, you know, as you pray and the peace of the Lord comes, and as this happens, you become aware of his peace, you become aware of his presence, and your faith is strengthened. Folks, in closing, when athletes are training for any event, and they want to be fit for that event, they don't train sporadically. Athletes don't train when they've got some spare time. Hello? Athletes get into a routine. Amen? They have a discipline for their training. Every day, every week, there is a schedule that they follow. Now, discipline is not a bad word. Often you go, oh, discipline, the big D word. No, 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 it's not a bad word, guys. Discipline simply means having a routine that will lead you to success in a particular endeavor. It is a path to get you somewhere. And discipline is not a bad word. The same is true when it comes to our faith. As I said earlier, earlier, Jesus, as God, living on this earth as a man, he was disciplined. He got into the word. He worshipped. He prayed. He had his routines. Sometimes he'd break away from revival meetings to go and have his routine and spend time in his personal disciplines. And he said, follow me. If Jesus needed it and he modeled it to us, so much more do you and I need to have these disciplines in our lives. There has always been a need for faith. But in the days you are living in, there is a particular need to have a growing faith. There is so much chipping away at our lives and draining our faith. And if we are not careful, our tanks could run dry. 
In fact, Jesus asked us, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Jesus posed this question. It's a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Luke 18, 8, you can read that over there. So, brothers and sisters, my desire is that we as a church, we as individuals, you as an individual, would be, asked, would be able to answer this question to Jesus and say, yes, Lord, you will find faith in me. Huh? You will find faith in me. Amen? So, would you take a look today at your life? Go before the Lord. Take stock of your life. Do you think you're spending enough time in the word? What, what, what is getting more attention in your, in your life? The word or the world? Huh? The word or all the circumstances? Go before the Lord. What needs to be adjusted? How are you going to adjust this? Sit down. Think about this. Make some notes in your journal, in your diary, whatever. Put some things down that you can start doing today, this week, to increase your word time. Are you taking time to worship God regularly during the week? On your own? Or are you just worshiping Him on Sundays or at special meetings? What can you do to increase your personal worship level. Please stop and think. Are you listening to more worldly music than you are to worship music? Are you putting any time aside at all to worship God and praise Him for who He is? What are you going to do? Sit down. Think about it. Put some schedule in place that you're going to act upon. Do you pray regularly as a lifestyle? You pray before meals, before going to bed. Have you got some prayer routines in your life? While you're driving, as you keep your eyes open, of course. But what can you do to add more intimate times of prayer in your life? To do the kind of, you know, Philippians 4, 6 kind of stuff. We all need that. More of that. To pray for yourself, to pray for others. How much time do you take to pray for those you love? To pray for your children? To pray for your husband, your wife? To pray for people in need? Are you doing those things on a regular basis or do you need to adjust something? And guys, please, I'm not saying this to put a heavy on you. This is not a, a guilt trip. No, this is a growth trip. We all need to stop sometimes and take stock of our lives. And today we're taking stock of these spiritual disciplines which are so crucial today. Otherwise the world and its rubbish just take a hold of us and snuff out our faith, snuff out our joy, snuff out our enthusiasm about God and His work in the kingdom. Amen. So evaluate your disciplines and make adjustments so your faith can grow intentionally. It's true that sometimes God moves upon us and wow, things happen. But it is better to have a routine that you can grow intentionally in the word of God and in faith. Hallelujah. How about adding fasting to your disciplines sometimes? Plan a day or days where you fast and take time to get in the word, time to worship, time to pray. Use this Thursday perhaps as an opportunity to do this. 
and then continue doing it from time to time. Folks, may our faith be strengthened as, as you make decisions that position you to sense the Lord's love and power in your life. Amen. The Lord has not moved. He is there. We need to position ourselves where we can experience His love and His power. May the Lord help each one of us to make those decisions, to take those steps, to bring in those disciplines that we can all grow in faith. Amen? Let's stand up, please. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we stand in your presence today, Lord. Fully aware of our need to grow in faith in these days, Lord, like never before. My God, I pray that everyone who has heard this message, both here in this hall and those listening to this recording right now, that we all would make a, a conscious decision, Lord God, to practice these three disciplines. That those who are practicing them already will be encouraged to continue, Lord. And maybe to go even deeper in doing these three things. Father, I pray you bring your conviction by your word. That we will trust your word. And obey your word in these areas. So that we may experience that growth in our faith. That closeness to you that we desire. And those breakthroughs in our lives that we so, so badly need. And so, Father... Thank you that you are there to help us. You show us the way, you give us the tools. And by your Holy Spirit, you empower us as we decide to trust and obey and do, Lord. And so I thank you, Father, that this church, everyone listening to this recording, Father God, will be encouraged to grow in their faith by taking these simple steps, doing it with commitment, doing it intentionally, Lord, and experiencing the benefit of growing in faith, growing relationship with you. And we pray this for your glory, Father. And I pray that the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be upon each one of us as we put time aside on a regular basis to practice these disciplines. May you experience his presence, his love, and increase in our faith until we see him face to face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God, guys. Bless you.